cliffcentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlelo on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's! Yeah, Lion, you gotta kiss a lot of frogs and before you find your prince on the horse, you know that. How many? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you, you'll have to work it out. I'm still waiting for the German man. You to, promised. Yeah, to all our very happy couples out there and lovers as well, like uh, our researcher Benji Scheinberg. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Benji. And he's got a girlfriend. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to our single listeners, happy Singles Awareness Day. <laughs> what do we do, single people? Should we just go out and... Well, let's speak to Palessa about that. Happy birthday, happy Valentine's Day. I nearly said birthday. You are single, uh, Palessa. Palessa the flower, isn't she gorgeous? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Benji, our researcher, is wearing saggy pants. They are so low that, uh, Benji, they're nearly public indecency. Oh, really? Yeah, you must be careful. Oh, you could get arrested for that. Yeah, I better watch out, eh? Have you noticed them, lines? We may have to take a picture and tweet Benji's pants. Well, I have, and I'm say he's got an ass to die for. Oh, I don't know if Benji wants to hear oh, that. Well, okay. It was a compliment. Uh, needless to say, he's got nothing to say or do. I just said he's got an ass to die for. Well, there you, you go, Benji. I think Africa. your girlfriend finds it uh, similarly appealing. Okay, let's talk about our show today. The first part, we're talking cycling. Oh, yes. Yeah, recently some of our talented cyclists have been killed on our roads. Unfortunately. Yeah, and to aggravate matters, the motorists that mowed their down simply sped off. How heartless. Yeah, we call them hit and run bastards. Well, that's what I call them. Uh, what we're saying here is that justice must prevail and that these cowards must be arrested and brought to book. And they must go to jail. Another reality is that our cyclists are being attacked and robbed whilst out on peaceful rides. And uh, we're going to talk to all our, we've got wonderful guests in studio today. We'll talk to them in a mo. Uh, yeah, I've actually seen that happening in uh, Melville, where a cyclist was actually being hijacked. Yeah. And it's just so scary. And when it actually happens, it just, it happens so fast. It, it's very scary. But yeah, yeah. We've got to try and find something to stop what's going on. Certainly. It's tragic. Later on in the show, we talk to the beautiful and talented actress Chantal Stanfield Ooh. about her play from Cook Sisters, Cook Sisters to Knedlach, which is coming up shortly. It's an absolutely true story of what happens when the brownish girl from the Cape Flats got involved with a Jewish boy from Johannesburg, East, East Rand. Benj, uh, you've been researching that one. It's a goodie, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's great how she integrates uh, who she is and with her new husband, uh, who's a Jew himself. It's, it's, a great, it's a great feature coming up. Look forward to it. Yeah, I think what we're trying to show is that interracial marriages are showing that race relations in our country is advancing, which is a good thing, Lines. Oh, certainly, yeah. That's why I say you can pick yourself any man you like. I'm still ready for my German man. There you go. If you're interested in Lionel, our email address. 
<laughs> oh, please do. Please do. If you're interested in Lionel and uh, anyone else, including your presenter who likes uh, the, the girls, our email address is lordcliffcentral.com and our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Our Twitter handle lines? It's at Hertzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. But uh, let me, can I ask you a question? Sure. Who's this presenter who's interested in girls? It's yours truly. Ooh. Yeah, Gary Hertzberg. Let's go, Lines. So today we welcome into our studio, we've got great guests. We have cyclist Colin Anderson, who gets up at 3.30 in the morning to cycle through the streets of Joburg. It's crazy, but that's what they do. And look how lean he is. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you, Gary. Joining Colin, and Colin's 68 years old. He looks fifth. No, I'm kidding. Uh, very close, no. very close. Yeah, are you over 55. 50, Colin? 57. You look marvelous. Eh? Oh, Thank you. Are yep, you married? You I am indeed. Sorry, man. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> well, but there are other guys in the queue it. before you. You know this. Okay, so Lines, let's uh, move on uh, with your Valentine's Day. Joining Colin is Merlin Jacobson. He also wakes up at 3.30 a.m., but he doesn't wake up to go cycling. I think he wakes up to have coffee in the coffee bar section of the new cycle shop he's just opened in Ilova. It's quite a novel concept you've got going there. It's yes, a good thanks, one, isn't Gary. it? Yeah, right. it's, um, yeah, I, I've always been involved in cycling to some level and I've, I've ridden, uh, sort of a top level and, um, I've owned a big cycle store before and I've decided to rather have a smaller, sort of more dynamic store, which I've opened now and all over and it's going very well. Thank you. Merlin Jacobson, he's a professional amateur. Cyclist. I don't know what that means, but uh, you've ridden. Uh, I've sort of ridden at top level, top yeah, level. Um, but I've never sort of ridden for money per se. So that's why I don't call myself as as have being a been a professional in any way. But um, have have competed at the top level, yeah. Later on in the show, we're going to bring online a man called Howard Dembowski of the Justice Project on Valentine's Day. I think he's sending flowers to our Minister of Transport. He's very fond of her, and uh, he's going to tell us what the heck is happening on our roads. No one knows more than Howard Dembowski on that level. Cool. Let's get a little serious now and talk about the, the, the day that uh, a whole group of you, well, not a whole group, about four or five of you were cycling. And, uh, Colin, you'll tell us what happened. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, it was a, a typical n- normal Ride, if you like. We, we get up between four, 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning. We all meet on a regular basis. We're an experienced group of cyclists that have ridden well in our age groups and also uh, ride endurance events. Um, met at the BP Garage in the corner of First and Brown Fisher, as we normally do in the mornings, and uh, we ambled down together. And we try and take the side roads, uh, which are not regularly used by the the morning taxi run and others on their way to work. Um, this particular morning, no different to any other, we traveled down Silver Pines. And towards the bottom of Silver Pines, there's a, a, a pub on the left-hand side called the Sunrise Pub. We regularly pass it. There are patrons that are out on the pavement at half past four, five o'clock in the morning, um, finishing their last drink before they leave. And uh, nothing different to any other morning. We passed by there, got to the T-junction at Hunt Skuman, turned left, up past the Rema Church, and uh, turned right into President Fouchier uh, at the Shell Garage. And uh, sadly, uh, very shortly after that, uh, was the incident occurred. Um, there were cars we identified on route, and uh, there was one in particular at the Sunrise Pub which uh, caught my attention. It was a, a really well-restored, old-shaped Disco 1 or 2 in a brilliant white. It was in immaculate condition. I was taken aback by that. And that particular car passed 
in front, well, past me, I was in line in front, in the front between myself and Jacques and, and Andrew. And uh, this car came by, another passed by quite rapidly behind it, and there was a short gap between them when, this, when I heard this enormous bang um, to my, uh, behind me, and I dived left. And in that process, um, Andrew was flying to my right high up in the air with his bicycle, and uh, I jumped up and looked up the road, and there was a, another car speeding up the road and had hit him and run. Um, I ran to the middle of the road, um, called to Andrew and asked him to respond. He didn't respond. I asked him to give me a sign that he's okay. There was no signal. Jacques then took control of Andrew, and I then phoned for emergency services. Did Andrew die? Andrew Bradford. That's correct, Did Andrew he, Bradford. He died immediately, obviously? No, uh, at the time, he was bleeding profusely. There, were, there was major head, head injuries. Um, we phoned emergency services. I finally got someone to come out. We've, at the time, it took about 25 minutes for anyone to arrive at the scene. Mm. Um, what time was this by now? <clears throat> it was 4.47-ish that he was hit, and it was about mm. 5.20 when we finally had an ambulance arrive. We were fortunate that the gym owner across the road in the Borscrane Village Shopping Center came to our aid. Um, there was a lady who said she was a bikinetica that arrived, and there was an off-duty nurse that pitched as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kept working on him for 25 minutes until they arrived. Um, they took over then. And uh, I phoned the police to ask them to please come to the scene and uh, do an accident report. I phoned JPMD. Uh, the police didn't arrive. JPMD did arrive. They took down my name, the uh, Andrew's wife's name, and left um, without doing an accident report. Mm. Um, Andrew didn't die at the scene. He he survived. He went to hospital. We got to the hospital around six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. Um, the trauma surgeon and neurosurgeon that were taking care of him came through. Um, called his wife, took her one side and explained the severity of his injuries and the fact that there was little chance that he would survive. Mm. Colin, Andrew was behind you by how many meters? Well, he he was behind, he was the third in line. Um, Mm. He was at the back of the three of us. It was Mm. uh, Andrew, then Jacques Swart, and then myself in front. We were about two meters apart. Um, We always stay fairly close so that we can communicate, we can talk, we can shout instructions. And uh, the whole intention there is actually just to warn each other of any any dangers or oncoming traffic. And we would shout, car left, car right, car front, car back. And we'd all respond, having heard, and we'd keep moving. Always in a line, always behind each other, always well lit. So um, you're very fortunate that you weren't hit as well because the car could have gone through one and then through the rest, the others. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, we've, I we, mean, by, by centimeters as such, you missed it, didn't you? We did. We did. We, yeah. we, we've, it could, could have been any one of us or all three of us. It was that close. Yeah, the driver you saw you 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 didn't see the smack as such, but no. you heard it, and the driver just sped off. That's correct. He didn't uh, slow down. He just carried on with the cyclist flying in the air. That was obviously seriously injured. Absolutely, there was no deviation of of his path past me, mm. um, and he continued at pace. Um, when I looked up, he was a uh, a long way down the road, and disappearing into the distance. Yeah. 
Is there, I mean, when you look back now, talk about clothing, reflective clothing, and mm. what, what you were wearing, and what was the, it was, you say it was still very dark at the time? Yeah, the sun comes up around 20 past five in the morning now. Um, oh. We know it's dark at that time, and that particular space tends to be rather dark. It's, there's no uh, street lights um, in that three, four, five hundred meters. And it's between the car park to the village shopping center, Bosgrain Village Shopping Center, and Kelly Kelly Street, mm. and it tends to be quite dark. So we weld it. Where do you think, I mean, if you had to hazard a guess, a guess, where were these vehicles? Um, you said you saw a white car parked outside the pub, and then there were another. How many with it? There tend to be several cars in that car park in the morning. On this particular day, the white Discovery Land Rover was parked in front of two other vehicles, Mm. right on the edge of the parking lot, um, and the the guys were talking to each other and, and drinking there. Did it look as though they were about to leave, or were they still there? I mean, were they... They weren't getting into their cars, they were kind of leaving, or they, was, they were still enjoying themselves as such? It seemed as if they were having a discussion and the, oh. the car doors were open. So, you know, it's, it's very difficult to say what yeah. their plans were. So one of them, were, did that white, you said the white uh, Land Rover passed you. The other two, can you identify, can you remember the other two cars? We're trying to see whether we can put something together here. Yeah, we... We've had some eyewitnesses. We've uh, got some CCTV coverage, and uh, we the, the discovery is visible um, on the coverage. Yeah. Uh, the other to lesser extent, but the, it appears it was a, a blue uh, or a BMW um, was the second vehicle. Mm. The third vehicle appears to have been an Opel Astra. Which is hatchback. the one? Which is the one that hit Andrew? The Opel Astra. What we what we want what we're trying to do today is appeal to the conscience of not only the driver but his two friends that had the other two cars to come forward and say, "Listen, we feel bad about this. We know someone lost their life. Uh, I know who it is, or I'm the driver." And that's what we're hoping for. And if we if we get that message out as far and wide as we can, who who knows? Because someone's got to live with this. Uh, All three of these drivers have to live with this because. One did it and the other two saw it. Yes, and, and they are talking. Um, we've got uh, people on the case, and the, the case is at a sensitive stage. The, people mm. are, the police are intimately involved, um, and we have other people involved as well. Andrew Bradford leaves behind a wife and two, two children. How many? Sadly. Um, yeah. His son, Mikey, is 16. His other son, Tom, is 17. Are they cyclists? No, they mm. both Michael House students, um, and his mother stays in Parktown in Johannesburg. Mm. Or there's with this, and their mum. I'm sure it was a very sad funeral to it lose was, a brother. He's he's like a brother. How long have you been riding together? Well, Andrew and I did two of our biggest races together. We rode Trans Africa, which starts in Bitebridge, goes via Swaziland, uh, Lesotho, down to Cape Town. And we did a, a race called the Freedom Challenge together as well, which is from Peter Marysburg to Cape Town. And, uh, over two and a half thousand k's, um, and many others. Um, him and I would do night rides on a Friday night after work, and travel down to Harry Smith, and or travel to Moy River, or mm-hmm. uh, and other members of our group would do exactly the same as part of our endurance training. Yeah, so, the the Randberg, what's it, the Randberg Sun, or one yes. of those. Randberg Sun. Randberg Sun carried the story, and I think they broke the story. Correct. If I'm not mistaken. And they said that uh, 
There was an outcry from residents and cyclists who expressed their expressed their anger. Absolutely. Was very, very upset about this one. Absolutely. If you go onto the hub and you go and look and, and just Google Andrew Bradford and you look at the number of pages, there's 25, 30 full-scale pages of comments. Comments. It's anger, it's frustration, um, it's the lack of support, the lack of policing, and and um, just the, the general lack of empathy for other road users. Yeah, I think I think what we're upset about is that somebody just rode off and there were other people in convoy that would have known about this and no one's come forward. It shows just complete lack of respect for human life and dignity, which is against our constitution apart from the moral wrongdoing of it. And yet no one no one cares, no one comes forward. No, it's, just, it's a disgrace, and uh, it's not something that we would like to see. This is not the only incidence, incident. January saw another two cyclists killed in Cape Town. One in Cape Town, one in Pretoria. Well, I've, I know that uh, there's a lady, Deline Bunzai, I think. Yes. She lost her life, hit I think also from behind. And Gregory Besson, also in Stellenbosch or somewhere. Absolutely. Did you know these two people? I don't know them personally, no. I think there are a million cyclists in mm. South Africa. The number is at, uh, yeah. Merlin, you know this? Yes, yeah, it would, it would be around that figure. And there's, there's also a lot of, um, not just cyclists, but uh, people that use bicycles as transport mm. to and from work, you know, Absolutely. gardeners, etc., yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, waiters and things like that. So there are a lot of other road users, not just cyclists per se, you know, um, that aren't motorists. Yeah, they're commuters. Um, they're mm. commuters as well. Yeah. And it's one of the things that um, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of initiatives to increase commuting um, because it's obviously uh, going green and all the rest of it and to use less uh, fossil fuels and that sort of thing. But one of the big hurdles is not being able to ride safely. And the um, infrastructure as well. And the infrastructure yeah. both. So because of those two reasons, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not growing as, as much as uh, people would like to that are trying to get these initiatives off the ground. Um, and generally, the actual cyclists themselves are very aware that that cycle early in the morning, like Colin mm. and, and, and the late Andrew, um, you know, they, they're, they're very careful. They ride in single file. They don't sort of take up the whole road and they're not casual. They're out there training for a purpose and they're aware of the dangers. Um, you know, they're... They use the right clothing, um, wear helmets, obviously, um, have a lot of lights on them. Um, so incredibly difficult to miss, uh, to, to not see them, you know, um, per se. So, I mean, what's the answer to take cyclists off the road and put them on, on uh, off-road and put oh. them on, on tracks? Gary, it's interesting that yeah. you say that, but yeah. a, a lot of road cyclists have actually converted over to mountain biking now. Oh. Because of, of, of the dangers, that's one of the reasons that the sport is growing so much on the mountain bike side. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it's not always that practical. Um, for instance, uh, Colin training these long endurance events to ride them all off-road, it's very difficult to facilitate that. Mm. So therefore, the guys do use the roads, you know, but try and use them safely. Can, can, you, yeah. train, can you train on a track and ride the Argus, or is that a stupid question? No, no. not no. really. You, you got, can you to got some got to, degree, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's not going to give you the, the, the best uh, preparation for, for, for cycling something like the Argus. Uh, you can do a bit of indoor to work on your strengths or... 
um, you know, intervals or things like that. But your actual climbing, um, your actual time in the saddle is best bent doing something similar you, to the. Yeah, arms. you know, Gary, it's it's actually very important to simulate the event you're going to be training riding in. Um, part of it's actually being able to ride in groups and ride behind other fellow cyclists that are in the pack that you're racing in, because that in itself causes accidents too. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. People not staying in a straight line, looking back, trying to pick up a bottle. Looking down, not braking properly, all these sorts of things, you know, and people racing at three or four k's faster than they train at creates an enormous risk. Yeah. I mean, what are we really saying here that there's a danger on the road to cyclists and they have to deal with hazards of drunk drivers and bad drivers? Is this something that you're aware of and you say, well, that's the risk I take? Well, we know, and, and, and don't ride a bike then if you if you're concerned on on no, South African sorry. Johannesburg roads. Yeah. If I can be do, uh, the yeah. devil's advocate, yeah. I really think that as South Africans, we've just really lost our human touch to it because we're yes. talking about human lives here, and people are actually part and parcel of our brothers. And if we mm. treat them this way, we are just becoming animals as opposed to humans. Somebody has lost their lives, and we know about it, but we're not doing anything. It's what does that say about us as country uh, as as country people? I mean, we've seen this. It has happened over and over again where people have been knocked off where, whilst running or uh, training for yeah. marathons, for, for example. These yeah. things are happening every single day. But we need to really appeal to the conscience of our South African people to really apply their mind and do the yeah. right thing, well, we, report these things. Absolutely. The other yeah. thing is we need to – we have a we have a, dr- a drinking and driving problem in this country. Certainly. We know that. We do. We do. And uh, Howard's going to take us through what the Minister of Transport is proposing, but it's very severe, and I want to leave that uh, to Howard. But we know that probably these people came from the pub, and they were at 5 o'clock in the morning. They hadn't just arrived there. They'd been there for some hours drinking, and then they get into their cars and who knows what, and they kill a wonderful man like Andrew Bradford. And who leaves behind uh, two teenage boys. And, it's a, and a wife and a and father a wa- and a brother. And, and a career. And a career. And a, career. Yeah. Yeah, and a very successful man. Uh, uh, you know, <sighs> it's heartbreaking, this. No, it is. Absolutely. Well, uh, we were gutted. Yeah. We were absolutely yeah. gutted. And we've taken, it's been very, very difficult to get back on the bike. And we are twitchy mm. on the road. There's no mm. question. You know, we, we went out this morning and we were using the secondary roads as we normally do. And stopping at the stop streets as we do. We stop at the traffic lights. We have lot. Two sets of red lights on the back in case one fails. We have a headlamp. We have a, a front light that runs off a dyno, um, which won't fail because of the bat- there's no problems with batteries. But, yeah, we just don't value life. There's another aspect that's really concerning to our cyclists, and that is that a number of cyclists have very recently and in the past as well, and it's ongoing, have been attacked, robbed, hijacked, whatever. Uh, Merlin, you know about this because they probably come in – uh, with insurance claims, claims, claims and you yeah. have to replace it. No, exactly What's going right. on out there? Yeah. yeah, I think it's just opportunity. It's a lot of opportunity uh, theft, whereby um, you know people can obviously observe routes where um, there might be a bit of cover if the grass is not cut. For for example, on the Bramfontein Sprite, mm-hmm. um, guys can lie in wait, um, and if you're riding, especially by yourself, which obviously poses a greater danger. Are, are cyclists do they still do that? Do they still ride um, on their it's own? It's discouraged. I mean, yeah. we, we we in the cycling community obviously discourage it. Mm. Um, you know, for two reasons: number one, from the hijacking point of view, and then if you do fall and injure yourself, yeah. uh, you you know you aren't with somebody to help. to help you. So mm. for those two reasons, but you also find commuters will tend to be on their own. I know one chap has been riding the spray to and from work um, 
to the revenue office for seven years. Yes. And he's on his own, and he come, goes through that 7 o'clock at night. He's never had an incident, but he's had some close shaves. It was reported in Times Media that a cyclist, you probably know him, a 65-year-old, his surname is Munton. Do you know him? Uh, Rob Munton, I know of him, yes. <coughs> he, was a, he was attacked. Another also reported Paul Levy. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, I think they drew a gun on him and he needed counseling afterwards. They took his bike worth 165,000 rand. Is that yeah. what a bike can cost? Yeah, the top, the top oh. sort of bicycles are around that mark. Um, you know, your top road bike now with electronic gears, you're looking at about 220,000 rand for the top bikes. Uh, mountain bikes as well, 180,000 mm-hmm. rand. Um, so they are very expensive uh, bicycles. And what's happening is people are getting wind now. Of, of the value of these bicycles and therefore they, you know, it, as an opportunity uh, just to grab these bicycles, um, you know, there's quite a lot of money to be made selling them on. Um, where do these bikes land up that have been stolen? Where, where does a 165,000 Rand bike go? Uh, well, we've some seen unscrupulous. Them in touch, some. Yep. Yeah, Colin, some, you know the answer? Well, some unscrupulous uh, guys who know the value of the bikes are taking them at, at terrible prices, you know, to, at terribly discounted prices. Mm. We also hear that a lot goes to Mozambique. They've yeah. got a cycling club border. there. So yeah. A lot of cross-border well. stuff. Mm-hmm. But surely a 165,000 rand bike you're going to spot somewhere if it's well, been stolen. Interestingly, what happens is that they, they spray them, and they spray yeah. them in, in a patchwork sort of paint that looks, makes it look old. Yeah. So it's not always, always easily identified. Or, or They can obviously, like motorcars, be stripped down as well and sold in parts, and that mm. way it's very, very difficult to track... Um, that particular bicycle um, by stripping it down and sending it on. Are your bikes insured against all this? Yes. It, yeah. Um, yes. But, yeah, they certainly are. But, you know, one never wants to be in that sort of situation. You know. Yeah, of course not. Is there any way you can mark your bike and, and engrave yes. something? Well, there's data, data dotting, um, which they also use in cars. Um, that you can actually um, put it's a very it's micro information on on the actual frame that you can't see, but under under close scrutiny you can actually it's like a chip or it's so. like a chip yeah. UV uh, UV light. Do you do, you do that at your at your business? I don't at the moment, but it oh. is something that is is out there and um, not a bad idea. Is I it mean, expensive? Um, not overly no. Do do most cyclists do this or not really? Most cyclists don't even know about it. Uh, yeah. to be honest We've learned with you. something today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what, are, what other protections that that you you would probably know, uh, Merlin? What other protection can we take? Precautions, tracking devices. Yeah, tracking devices. Maybe. I mean, you know, you can you can track phones now. Um, so I, I don't see why we can't come up with um, something where we can actually track the track the bicycle as well. Mm. Um, I don't think it'll be that difficult to do. Um, you know, it's not a bad idea. I read an article, I think it was about a year or two ago, in, on uh, MoneyWeb, and they said that we have the highest per capita spend on cycling equipment in the world. Yeah. Um, and arguably the fastest growing sport in South Africa, which is nice to hear. Yes. And they estimate then that the value of the cycling as a sport in South Africa is around $1 billion. No wonder you've opened a bicycle shop. No, there we it go. It sounds good, <laughs> like good businesses. Yeah, it's still a tough industry, I must say. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Um, uh, internet, um, which is which is difficult, um, you know. So the margins aren't all that high in the cycling industry either. So it's not that uh, not not a very easy industry traditionally, but it is certainly a very current one. Do we have a list of hotspots somewhere listed on some website that will tell us where not to ride? 
right now? Is there something up there for us? Um, Bike Hub seems to be the most common place to look. Um, Mm -hmm. They've got drop-down menus where you can go and look at stolen bicycles. You can go and look at uh, hotspots. You can look at current news. You can look at news on incidents that have occurred and where they've occurred. So it's pretty much left up to the individual cyclist to arm himself with that information and that knowledge mm-hmm. and prepare himself properly. Let's take a listener's message. Lange, you want to pick oh, that yes. one up? Uh, yeah. It's Hugo. He's actually just saying that uh, he has uh, seen quite a number of uh, increases uh, of riders in his area, but however, he's concerned about their safety because they seem to be not following the rules and regulations that govern the sport. Mm-hmm. So that is something that we can actually still touch base on just so that we Educate people because the whole yes, idea sure. of talking uh, about this matter is just so that we can educate. I think that's a very good point. Yes. I've seen it myself where yes. cyclists are not single file. They're bunched yes. up hmm. and it's a problem and we should know better. Uh, is that, is that yeah. a, yeah. yeah I Gary, think these yeah. are more recreational cyclists, but God forbid, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I think it's a very important point. We, we are a small group and it's an intentional decision um, to have not more than six or seven or eight guys at a time cycling together. And the whole idea is actually to make sure that the group remains disciplined and do the right things. Mm. Being in single file is essential. It's absolutely critical. We're not the only road user at that time of the day. We're not the only road user at any time of the Mm. day. Right. So single file is absolutely critical. Staying within earshot of each other to warn each other of danger is equally important. Mm, yeah. Being well um, uh, lit, if you like, uh, with the right uh, attire and, and reflective attire and so forth, equally important. Yeah. So we need to take responsibility for some of the behaviors out there ourselves. We, we as cyclists are not angels. Absolutely. I must say as well, um, being, being both a motorist and a cyclist, uh, I also get frustrated when I see uh, cyclists basically, um, you know, just casually doing their own thing, socializing on the bicycle as opposed to um, actually training. You know, the, a lot of guys do a lot of socializing on the bike, so therefore they sort of sit two or three together and sit and chat away. Oh. Now, as, as a motorist, you know, you, you kind of, it, it does get under your skin because you kind of think, well, these guys are sitting in their lycra and their light uh, gear and, um, Casually riding along, not realizing the danger of getting hit by a car, and that they are aggravating that by by riding three, four abreast, yeah. um, and not and not being vigilant. Good point, Merlin. I saw yeah. on Cycling SA, which has a Facebook page as well, they www.cyclingsa.coza, and their Twitter handle is at Cycling SA. They they have, and it's something we should all look at under the heading. Cycle safety. They say, please check out road safety for cyclists and motorists. Mm-hmm. So please just go and have a look at it, and it should give you some good tips there. Yeah, good, um, Gary. On that yeah. point as well, I, I think one of the things that I can take out of this that we learnt also in this whole process was arm yourself with information about your colleagues that you ride with regularly and your mates that you ride with regularly. Arm yourself with their Wives' numbers, their girlfriends' telephone numbers, their medical aid information, what they're allergic to, mm. uh, what the criteria is for their medical aid, um, and things like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, at a time like this, and also load the emergency telephone numbers to your phone. True. I found myself being quite um, shocked overwhelmed. At the time. Yeah. yeah, overwhelmed. I, I was standing there looking, and I tried 10111, it didn't work. I then tried 911. It didn't work. Yes. Um, I then had to go onto Google to say, okay, what's the closest hospital? Okay, let me phone them. True. And then they gave me 082911. Mm-hmm. I phoned that, and then I got a response from Netcare 911. 
So yeah, check your medical. Yourself. Your medical aid actually gives you the num the ambulance number that's linked yes. mm-hmm. to your medical aid. Get that and keep that in your phone or somewhere. Because not every ambulance service is connected to your medical aid. 100%. So it's like really, really important. We're going to speak to Howard Dimbowski in a moment. Before we go, our deepest condolences to the families who have lost loved ones. And that goes from all of us, Lionel, myself, Palessa, whoever's in studio. Then obviously to our two marvelous guests today, Colin Anderson, who lost a, a dear friend. You also, Merlin, have been, you've seen it happen, and yes. I think you've also smacked I've, I've uh, actually been hit by a car when I was yeah. cycling for Defense Force in 1993. Oh. Um, I didn't have a helmet on at the time, and a car hit me at 120 k's an hour. Oh. I was nearly killed. We lucky I was lucky. Yeah, I, I mean, I That's, miraculously This is the voice fine. of Merlin Jacobson. What's the business you've just opened in Ilovo? Ilovo Cycle Works. It's a bike service cafe, and... Yeah. Um, we, we pride ourselves on top service to the cycling community. Excellent. In Ilova, in the post office center. Post office you can go center. and have a cup of coffee and just to meet you and have a chat to you. Absolutely. Excellent idea. You're a good man. Let's talk to Howard Dembowski, who loves fighting with, hopefully not me, but lots of other people. <laughs> Howard. People love fighting. How are you, Howard? Is Howard there? Technical problems. One, two, one, two. Has he gone, Benji? Oh, we seem to be have experiencing technical error. It's okay. But so many people want to we'll fight you, back. Gary. How Dimbowski, we're trying to get him. He's from the Justice Project uh, mm-hmm. of South Africa. He's the undisputed authority on all matters dealing with road traffic laws. So uh, wow. if you want to know anything about road traffic laws, your man is Howard Dimbowski. Where, where is he practicing? He, I don't know. I don't know exactly where his offices are, but uh, you can get him on every form of anything. He's got 40,000 odd Twitter followers as well. Gee, I know. He seems to be very busy. No, he really is. He's also always trying to change the laws and get the government to do the right thing. Have you got him? Cool. Can we speak to him? Howard? Can you hear me, Gary? No, we can't hear you. Welcome, Howard. Good to have you. Fantastic. I promise not to fight with you, and I promise to fight with your guests. Um, I'm actually very pleasantly uh, surprised to, to hear uh, people talking responsibly about using pedal cycles um, on South Africa's roads and riding in single file, because it's a, quite amazing how few people actually realize that the National Road Traffic Act does not only apply to motorists, but it applies to pedal cyclists. It applies to pedestrians, and it has uh, specific provisions which are applicable to both of those category of very vulnerable road users. So riding in single file is not just a courteous thing to do. It is your legal obligation. So let, let's get that one straight first. The second thing I'd like to get straight uh, – oh, sorry. Uh, the second probably most important thing is condolences to everybody um, – who has suffered either road fatalities or road injuries. It's really, really quite shocking the way that things are going in this country and the way that the road carnage is on a steep incline instead of decline. Yeah. However... Just one... uh, Can I interrupt you for one second? Have you sent a bouquet to our Minister of Transport of Flowers on Valentine's Day? 
now you are really pushing. <laughs> Gary, I, I promised not to fight with you, yeah. and uh, you're you're pushing. For, you're looking for for a hiding, my friend. Howard, I want um, I want to talk to you about something seriously now. Um, the minister recently announced she wants to reclassify drunk driving as a Schedule 5 offense. Now, Schedule 5 is in the same category as rape and murder. In other words, what she wants to do is if someone stopped at a roadblock and he's over the limit, then she wants him in that same schedule, which means what? Well, okay, let's just put one thing into perspective. Rape and murder is classified in schedules one, two, five, six, uh, and seven of the Criminal Procedure Act, and so is rape. So let's not uh, jump to the conclusion that schedule five is purely rape and murder. Mm -hmm. Um, Schedule five is reserved for very serious offences where the uh, offender would need to uh, prove that it is in the interests of justice for them to be released on bail prior to the outcome of their trial. Schedule 6 goes further to, the, uh, to that and, and actually um, puts a duty on, on that accused person to give compelling reasons why it would be in the interests of justice. Now, there, there, there's a slight difference um, insofar as Schedule 6 is reserved for things like premeditated murder, uh, gang rape, etc. But... Um, This idea of so-called rescheduling road traffic offences, and it's not just driving under the influence of alcohol, it's it's reckless or negligent driving as well, and in some cases speeding offences, to Schedule 5 is, in my view, uh, a very dangerous thing for the Minister of Transport to be asserting, especially in light of the fact that it's that Section 89 of the National Road Traffic Act, which deals with sentencing, um, doesn't actually contemplate driving under the influence of alcohol. It's quite bizarre. But in any event, the, the concept is that, that if you get arrested f- uh, for any accusation of any of those crimes, then you would be held over in police custody until such time as you're brought before a court to make a bail application. In in other words, there, there's no, there would be no police bail. Is that what you say? There would be no police bail. So, so, so right uh, now, right now, if you, assuming you get stopped and there's an allegation that you were reckless or negli- or grossly neglig- negligent, whatever, you can no, get no, no, police. No, not grossly negligent. Negligent in any manner. Okay, you can get police bail right now. Yes, you can. She wants and to. The, the the minister wants to change it to the effect that you will not get police bail at all for that. That is correct. Yeah. And, and as I put it to my uh, learned colleague, advocate in CB from the, the uh, RTMC, he's their CEO, um, it could be considered to be negligent not to ca- carry a warning triangle in your motor vehicle. Yes. So um, let's be very, very careful what we do because sometimes things can have an, uh, very unintended um, consequences. And unfortunately, I don't think I need to remind anybody that – there is unfortunately a high proportion of arrests that take place because someone is simply not prepared to pay a bribe. Mm-hmm. Those matters are generally uh, withdrawn on the first court appearance of that person. Yes, absolutely. So this mm-hmm. idea of imprisoning people until such time as they come before the court or, as the minister um, has been asserting, 
holding them over until such time as their trial has been concluded mm. uh, is just simply yeah. over the yeah to to, to languish in jail for for months or even years on a on a negligence uh, allegation would be terrible on a negligence charge let's talk about we just need need move on quickly hit and run yes what is the uh, law what is the charges if they had to find the uh, the driver that knocked down a very special man Andrew Bradford, what would the charges be against him? Well, it, it, it's you know it's quite simple in that particular case. Hit and run is classified as a separate offence in terms of the National Road Traffic Act under Section 61 of the National Road Traffic Act, and it is a very serious offence. Mm. Um, so much so that it's also contemplated in Section 35 of the National Road Traffic Act, which goes further to prescribe that uh, that person's driving license must be suspended, not may, must be is suspended for min- minimum period of six months on first con- uh, conviction, uh, five years on second, and um, ten years on third and subsequent convictions. But you know, let, let's understand that that's not the only charge that would be brought up against this particular individual. We'll start with the common law crime of culpable homicide. Yes. Um, I don't think it could be classified as murder as our Department of Transport and NPA have um, uh, repeatedly tried to shoe on into um, into the prosecutions that they bring against motorists. But culpable homicide in itself is a very serious uh, crime. It is cons- uh, it is actually um, uh, contemplated in Schedule 1 and Schedule 7 of the Criminal Procedure Act. And um, uh, that, that would be a, a primary charge, I would say. And then you would have uh, additional charges of um, hit failing, and run. Failing to stop, yeah. Uh, and of uh, reckless uh, or negligent driving, uh, although I would probably say that, that it would constitute negligent driving. Mm. Um, and a magistrate who tries such a person has the absolute discretion, I'm sure I don't need to remind you, to sentence uh, that person on um, each of the charges separately and to have those sentences run um, consecutively as opposed to concurrently. And uh, I wish more mag- magistrates would actually do that. The, the, this idea of concurrent sentencing is, is really quite bizarre in light of the circumstances, especially the kind of circumstances that have arisen out of this hit and run and so many other hit and runs. Okay, Howard, last question very quickly. Uh, Colin mentioned that there was the police arrived, there was no accident report um, taken or made. They arrived, they looked, and they left. It was a JMPD. Yeah, JMPD. What's their obligation, JMPD? For goodness sake. (laughs) Well, if if they – you know, it's very clear in the National Road Traffic Act that that if uh, a law enforcement authority attends uh, the scene of a crash, they are obliged to complete an an accident report. I hate that word accident, uh, as you know, Gary. Yes. Um, I call these things crashes or collisions. And – uh, for very good reason. There's nothing accidental about uh, a chap who's been stopped uh, outside a Shabin, then uh, coming and uh, running into somebody and then running away. That's not an accident. No. There's lots of intent there. Uh, but, the, but the fact is that, that the JMPD uh, were under uh, an obligation 
um, to complete an accident report and to get the, the details of uh, all of the relevant witnesses, etc., I, I, I would be, I'm actually very surprised to hear that no accident report was actually taken or filed. Yeah. That's the voice of Howard Dimbovsky. We'd like to talk more, guys. Uh, we have a great guest that we have to bring into studio. Her name is Chantal Stanfield. Howard, uh, I'm sorry you're not going to meet Chantal, but she's got a play on. In uh, in a week or two, uh, she's going to give us all the info. Please stay tuned and listen to it. She's beautiful. She's married a Jewish guy. She's a lady from the Cape Flats. Uh, I don't know why, why she's doing that, but they say Jewish men make the best husbands. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for that, Howard. I don't know if you were a good one, but uh, we'll speak to you again, Howard Dembovsky. One second, Howard. Uh, please, please look at Howard's website, jpsa.org. It's got everything you need to know about what? Everything. <laughs> It's jp-sa.org, just to correct you. And, um, you know, hopefully Chantal's husband won't have to engage in in Jewish foreplay, which is three hours of begging. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that, Howard. I don't think so. We'll ask her. Take care. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, mate. We're going to thank you very much to uh, the two cyclists in studio today, Merlin and Colin. I've said goodbye to you already. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, listeners. Cheers. I hope that we get somewhere on this one. Let's get the conscience going of the people who know about the truth here. Okay? We'll talk to you again. God bless you all. And stay safe on the roads. Let's bring Chantelling. We'll be right back. Cliffcentral.com.